When we return, more on Civil War newspapers with Eric Karen and Jerry Prokopovich. This is Civil War Talk Radio. Have you let your website go stale? Wish you didn't have to wait for your web developer to return your call when you want to update content? You don't have to. Now you can easily and instantly manage your own website content using affordable Avalar technology. Avalar is a website development and hosting company that provides turnkey internet solutions for companies like yours that need to stay focused on core business. Avalar gives you the power to control your website and make updates and additions in real time without having to learn HTML or other complicated programming tools. Websites powered by Avalar feature capabilities that attract more customers and enhance relationships with existing customers. Avalar offers a multitude of leading-edge solutions, including lead generation and referral tracking, shopping carts and payment processing, membership management, and search engine optimization, to name a few. Take advantage of the full power of the Internet using Avalar technology at www.avalar.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R.com. Vitality is a natural expression of health, success, and fulfillment. And yet it's rare to meet people bubbling with vitality. That's because most of us push ourselves too hard. And when we trigger the internal alarms that tell us to change our diets, attitudes, or activities, we ignore them. Allowing outside pressures to override our internal alarms undermines our health, sabotages our success, and limits our potential. If you're ready to reclaim your natural vitality, to begin living a life you love, visit thevitalyou.com. You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. Welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. With me today is Eric Karen, and we're discussing Civil War newspapers. Uh, a moment ago, you were mentioning, Eric, that several uh, that it's possible to still buy original Civil War newspapers uh, Mm -hmm. for reasonable prices, but I imagine there must be some that are pretty hard to find that uh, command much higher prices. Uh, What are the rare Civil War newspapers? Well, probably the most expensive one, uh, um, to take it to the very top and then I'll I'll work backwards, is the Charleston Mercury Extra. Um, When uh, South Carolina seceded from the Union, they published a broadside, which is a broadside is another word for a poster, um, so it was a, like an extra um, printed on just one side with very large type that reads, the Union is dissolved and prints the ordinance of secession, and that was printed um, the day after um, the, the event uh, in, in the local Charleston Mercury um, you know, uh, printing, printing house. Uh, that is sold for as much as 70000 at auction. I can't remember whether it was... Uh, I believe it was Christie's, but if it wasn't Christie's, it was Sotheby's. Uh, and in general, you find that your Confederate newspapers, of course, being rarer, um, are, are more expensive than your Union newspapers. So um, if you get a uh, standard Confederate newspaper, they usually start at about 75 to $100 and go up from there, depending on the rarity of the title and also, of course, the content. If it contains a major event, a major battle like Shiloh or Gettysburg or, um, you know, uh, Jefferson Davis being inaugurated, then uh, the values uh, could go up into the, you know, several hundred dollar range. Uh, and even over a thousand if it's a, a, a very rare title with an important event. 
uh, I mentioned before necessity papers. Uh, there, there is in the book, for instance, a little extra that was published uh, in Texas on corn husk when they ran out of paper. Um, most of the, the, you know, the South had relied on paper mills in the North before the war, so that, uh, of course, when they could no longer get uh, their regular paper stock, they had to get creative. And so, one of the most famous uh, newspapers of the of the time is the Vicksburg Citizen, printed on wallpaper, where um, the the editor uh, of the Vicksburg Citizen had sort of mocked Grant's intention to uh, take uh, Vicksburg by the Fourth of July, and uh, indeed uh, Grant made good on his word. And when they came into the newspaper office. Uh, they took the newspaper as the Confederates had printed it, uh, changing just a, a, a note in the last column, uh, which uh, satired, um, you know, their taking of the city and mocking the uh, previous editor. Um, and so, you know, when you find these uh, Vicksburg citizens on wallpaper, there are, there are reprints of them, so you have to be careful. Um, but uh, the Library of Congress provides uh, circulars for, uh, free of charge that will tell collectors about uh, the, the most uh, famous reprints, and, and the Vicksburg Citizen on wallpaper is one of those reprints that uh, they'll tell you about. Uh, just a hint so, for any of those out there that happen to have one, because they, a lot of people do have reprints that were made over, over time. After the editor's proprietor's name, J.M. Swords, uh, on the top, uh, the, the point to look for is there's, there should be a comma and six dots. Um, if there are, usually you encounter in the reprints uh, about 15 dots after the proprietor's name or 14 dots. Um, if you have one with six dots, you know you've got the real McCoy. And that paper uh, generally sells for between two and three thousand uh, dollars. Of course, depending on condition. The uh... There was another uh, Confederate newspaper. I want to say it was the Memphis uh, Appeal. Mm -hmm. That uh, someone has written a recent book about how, uh, because of Union uh, military progress, it had to leave town, and uh, eventually set up its printing presses in a series of cities across the South and became known as the Moving Appeal. Correct. Uh, we call those peripatetic newspapers, and there, there's a great example in the book of one of those, uh, the Daily Huntsville Confederate. Uh, again, it, it started in Huntsville, Alabama, but the particular issue that uh, is in the book uh, was in Marietta, Georgia. And right when the uh, when the uh, when a town uh, was uh, taken over by Union occupation forces, or just before then, the newspaper would move with the uh, with the rebel troops, and uh, you know um, wherever the troops would relocate, uh, the newspaper would travel with it, and uh, some of these newspapers, like the Memphis Appeal and the Huntsville Confederate, uh, wound up publishing in as many as five or, di or six different cities. Uh, they were very time. determined to get the word out. Yes. They were determined to stay alive and, and to get the word out. Yes. When you're talking about uh, reproductions of newspapers, I worked many years at a museum uh, dedicated to Abraham Lincoln, uh -huh. and uh, a month would not go by without somebody bringing in a copy of the New York Herald extra that you mentioned of, of April 15th, 1865. Right. Again, the good news about newspapers is that, unlike some other fields, uh, not a whole lot of uh, different newspapers have been reprinted or facsimiled, 
but yeah, the, the two we're mentioning, the Vicksburg Citizen and the one you're mentioning now, the New York Herald with the Lincoln's assassination, are very, very common reprints, and there are many varieties of them. Uh, most of the reprints that were done of the Herald assassination of Lincoln issue show his picture on the front page. If anybody has his picture on the front page of an April 15th New York Herald, that's a reprint. The Herald did print uh, six different, six or seven different editions that day, none of which carried uh, his portrait on the front page. Uh, also, if your paper is yellow uh, and brittle, uh, indicating wood pulp, of course, that would be a later reproduction because the originals would have been made of, of rag paper, and they stay quite white and quite firm, and uh, they don't yellow like uh, modern-day newspapers do. There are people who uh, may have these reproduction New York Heralds that the re where the reproduction itself may now be 120 years old. Right. Uh, they were they were made as early as, as a few years after the assassination. Right. Right. Well, centennial. Usually, you find you find a lot of those starting to be made. So uh, it, it's always a disappointment, I think, to uh, people who find one in the attic that great great grandpa had collected, and it's really 120 years old, and yet it is one of several hundred thousand copies, and it's really of no value. Yeah, I'm, uh, I get typically uh, in a typical week I get a, a several phone calls from you know uh, proud owners that I have to unfortunately disappoint um, um, when I go through the points with them over the phone. That uh, you know nine out of the ten calls I get uh, for the um, Lincoln assassination paper or for the Vicksburg Citizen on wallpaper turn out to be reprints. Unfortunately, suppose somebody does find in their attic uh, an authentic. Civil War newspaper, even a, a, a rare or interesting one, but but even uh, any authentic Civil War newspaper, mm -hmm. how should people care for them? What should they do with them? Well, uh, the newspapers uh, from that period almost take care of themselves, but there are some things you should definitely do. You should not keep the paper folded. You should keep it out of direct sunlight because sunlight will create what we call foxing, uh, brown, brownish stains on the newspaper. Um, ideally, if it's a it's, if it's a rare paper, it's best to get an acid-free mylar to put the put the paper into. Um, but uh, I must admit that uh, having you know half a million to a million newspapers, you know, uh, I tend to give more care obviously to the rarer examples and um, simply stack up uh, some of the, the the more common things, and then they tend to take care of themselves. Uh, Every now and again, I have what I call an avalanche in, uh, in my warehouse, or um, and uh, you know, where a pile gets too high, and uh, you know, of course, I'm aghast when I see it. But surprisingly, because of the durability of the paper, that's usually not um, as bad as it sounds. Uh, the pile goes over, but the papers are very durable from the uh, early period because of the rag paper. You know, one of the threats to old newspapers that uh, uh, you probably come across is. There are people who will buy old newspapers with the intention of vandalizing them, of, of cutting them up and selling bits and pieces of them. Right. Uh, uh, you you particularly find that with some some of the illustrated woodcut uh, papers we talked about earlier, such as Harper's Weekly. Uh, yeah, we we really frown upon that. Um, the the only good uh, flip side to that is that, particularly in the case of Harper's Weekly, literally hundreds of thousands of, of those. Um, uh, not hundreds of thousands of any particular issue, but hundreds of thousands of Harper's Weeklies have survived of various dates. And so they're, 
they're not in danger of uh, go, going like the dinosaur. Uh, but still, uh, yeah, we don't. Uh, we obviously frown upon anybody, um, you know, uh, in any way tampering with the, the original format of the newspaper. Um, it, it, it's, uh, it's simply not right to do, and it, and it, it in fact uh, reduces the value if you uh, take apart a newspaper. I, I would think it would do so, and, and, and it's certainly from a historian's point of view, it reduces the historical value to look at an illustration out of context. Absolutely. Uh, Harper's, you mentioned, uh, is an interesting example because it, it is so widely known and so valuable. There is now also a uh, uh, an online version, a Harp Week, that Harp I'm Week, sure you're right. familiar with, that uh, researchers can use to find uh, particular stories. It's not the same as the thrill of having a copy in one's own collection that you can no, there's something, there's, there's something very nice about handling something that you know our forefathers handled, and there's a, a smell to rag paper that um, is, is quite aromatic. It's not like, uh, again, the smell you get from um, 20th century papers uh, where it's a, you know, sort of not, not a very pleasant smell. There's almost a sweet smell from the original rag paper, and, and you know, it's... Uh, handling it and reading it uh, is like a time machine. It, uh, it's, a, it's quite a romantic thing because, you know, when you take a look from afar at a Civil War newspaper, you might just see uh, a big sea of uh, small type. But as you read them, you're really transported back to the time. And, uh, and that's why I got so fascinated with uh, collecting newspapers. I, I can't say that I, people will sometimes ask me, have you read every newspaper you own? I, I wish I had enough time to do that. But, you know, I've, I've read enough from uh, the, the various newspapers to to know bits and pieces of history um, and to uh, read a lot of things that aren't printed in history books because there's, there's so much information in the papers a lot of it uh, never made it into the history books so it's a it's a researcher's dream to to uh, look through these things uh, particularly when you're talking about scarcer titles uh, I have I've shared that experience as a researcher turning the pages of, of uh... 19th century illustrated newspapers and being able to look at the uh, the small ads, the ads for the patent uh, products, the gadgets and medicines and so on, uh, along with the literary pieces they would print in uh, serial form and then the cartoons, the illustrations. Uh, really, they are a, a trove of historical information uh, and entertainment. Right. From, from Let me ask you a question from your reading of these Civil War newspapers, putting this together. Uh, who in that era did you find uh, mentioned often, did you think was an interesting character? If you could uh, go back and have dinner with somebody from that Civil War era, uh, everyone gives a different answer to this. I'm curious to know, who, who would you like to meet? Uh, probably somebody that uh, distinguished himself both in the Civil War and in the Indian War period, and that would be uh, uh, General Custer. Um because, uh, you know, his image during the war was uh, of a dashing and brilliant um, soldier. And, of course, uh, he, he met his uh, fate uh, at the Little Bighorn uh, in what many considered then and now one of the biggest blunders in uh, American military history. So it, uh, the sharp contrast between Custer uh, in the Civil War and um, Custer in the Indian War period uh, fascinates me. And, and Custer was accused by some of his fellow officers as being a, a glory hunter, a headline hunter. Right. Someone who acted uh, with the newspapers in mind. 
Yeah, and uh, you know his ego probably uh, you know got the better of him in, in many situations, and I, I, perhaps he was just fortunate uh, in the Civil War that uh, you know he didn't meet uh, an earlier demise. Um, I have been, you know, I collect other things other than newspapers. I happen to have uh, in my personal collection a a little handbill printed at Appomattox Courthouse on April 9, 1865, um, on an Army press, uh, which is uh, Custer's um, message, uh, congratulatory message to his 3rd Cavalry Division um, on the surrender of Lee and the end of the Civil War. so I, I do collect other other things personally, but uh, still newspapers uh, are my favorite uh, uh, collection. Well, I would uh, so so you have historical documents uh, in your own collection as well as uh, newspapers. Right, I collect broadsides, manuscripts, photography, um, and uh, various other things as well. Didn't... Is this, uh, would you say your collecting interest and focuses on the Civil War? Are there other periods that interest you? Uh, no, actually, um, I, uh, in, in the various collections, I, um, collect, I, my, my main focus is on um, the history of news, starting in the 16th century with things like uh, uh, accounts of the defeat of the Spanish Armada, and then Great Fire of London in the 17th century, and... Um, the, the execution of Charles I, uh, and then uh, I've got uh, the events of the Revolutionary War and things going right up into the 20th century. I, I quite like 20th century newspapers as well because you, by then you've got the big headlines, the big graphics. and uh, they, they do give us a different look, and as we get to the 20th century, we also run out of time on our show today. Okay. Talking, about, uh, talking with Eric Karen about... Uh, Civil War newspapers, uh, and I invite our listeners to take a look at the work that he and Stephen Goldman have produced on Civil War newspapers with the Smithsonian. For Civil War Talk Radio, I'm Jerry Prokopovich. Thanks for listening.